Just a quick note before I begin this episode, I've been working on getting my videos to work with Premiere Pro, so that explains why I've been away for a while. There is a video version of this presentation on my website and on YouTube. I'll put a link to that in the show notes. Hey everybody, this is Gary Smith with Nectar Bridge. I want to talk to you today about the W-2 versus the 1099 relationship also known as an employee relationship versus a contractor relationship. In the tech community, we often have rapidly shifting job roles. We're often working remotely. And so the bright line between traditional employment versus a contracting relationship can sometimes get a little blurry. So I want to give you some brief and basic ideas to help you understand the legal distinctions that need to be made. Um, both the IRS as well as every individual state uh, naturally has an opinion on this, and we'll mainly talk about the IRS's uh, rules in this area, but you'll find that the states will typically follow suit. If anything, a few states may be a little stricter or may have additional things to look out for, but if you're uh, conforming with what the IRS has to say, you're, you're generally going to be okay. The general rule is that an individual is an independent contractor if the payer has the right to control or direct only the result of the work, not what will be done and how it will be done. Small businesses should consider all evidence of the degree of control and independence in the employer-worker relationship. Whether a worker is an independent contractor or employee depends on the facts in each situation. And I was just been quoting the IRS site in case that sounded a little bit dry there. But if the IRS ever looks at your particular situation, here are the guidelines they're going to use. First, behavioral control, which is simply put the right to control or direct the worker, how the worker does the work. So if you tell an employee when and where to do the work, what tools or equipment to use, and particularly if you give them that equipment, um, if you assign other people to work with them, uh, you tell them where to purchase supplies or you provide those supplies and you, and you tell the members of the team which people are going to do what and how they're going to do it, that's behavioral control. And so you really uh, quite simply have full control over the worker and what they do. The second major test is financial control. This one may be slightly more abstract, so I'll unpack it a little bit. Uh, I'll quote from the IRS side again. An independent contractor often has a significant investment in the equipment he or she uses in working for someone else. Um, so one of the tests is, um, do you, as, as the person they're working for, provide equipment and supplies or do you require that they invest in their own tools and equipment? Um, do you reimburse expenses? If you have an employee working for you, you would, for example, either provide a company car or a truck, or you would uh, give them mileage money for running errands and things. A contractor may not be reimbursed uh, directly. You hire someone as a company to come cut your grass, you're not going to pay for the mileage for them to come do that. Another major part of this test is the opportunity for profit or loss. If you contract with someone, uh, you agree with them on a price to do a certain thing, and 
depending on how their expenses work out, they may actually lose money on doing that, but that's the deal you struck. With an employee relationship, you're typically not going to find that because you're going to set an hourly rate and they're, they're definitely going to make that hourly rate or a salary and they're definitely going to make that salary. And then you're as a business going to turn around and charge the customer for the work being done. And it's on you as to whether or not to make a profit or loss. Finally, does this person do this kind of work for other people? That's another important element of financial control. An independent contractor is typically hired to do a task that they also do for other people, where an employee relationship is often exclusive. There's one more test that the IRS has. It's a little vaguer yet, and they just call it type of relationship. That's a bit of a catch-all. The quotation from the IRS site is facts that show how the worker and business perceive their relationship to each other. So I'll probably just say it this way and leave it at that. If you have someone who represents themselves as your employee or thinks that they're an employee of yours or tells people, I work for so-and-so, then you probably would have a problem if you later or at the time tried to characterize that person as a contractor and we're paying them on a 1099 basis. So let's talk about some scenarios fairly quickly that kind of show you which way this kind of relationship works. First, let's talk about someone who's obviously an employee. Say you own a restaurant and you give somebody a uniform and you tell somebody to be there at 8 a.m. or 11 a.m. and work until a certain time in the afternoon and they work in your kitchen and they use your equipment and prepare the food that you buy and serve it to your customers, well, obviously they're an employee. And that may sound so obvious that it isn't worth mentioning, but for example, I've heard of lawn services that offered so-called jobs to people and they expected them to come out and much the way I've just described, cut their customers' grass, use their lawnmowers, drive their trucks and so on, but hey, we'll pay on a 1099 basis to keep it simple. Let's talk about a situation that's clearly a contractor. If you hire a professional or a consultant to perform a job for a limited tenant, you're generally in the clear. So of course, if you hire an attorney to look at your sales contracts or a CPA to do your taxes or your books, or if you hire someone like me to train people or set up QuickBooks online or configure software for you and so on, you'll be fine. Uh, perhaps two litmus tests that probably clear more things up than any other thing is does the person you're hiring provide these services for others? That's the first test. And if they have a bunch of other customers that they're doing the same thing for, you're probably gonna be okay. And another big litmus test is, is the person or company really that you're hiring to do a job licensed? And if they're licensed, um, and that could mean professional licensing like uh, trade certification or a professional uh, certification or endorsement or license. Uh, that's, you know, one piece of it, but not all professions are licensed. So just do they have a business license? Are they, are they registered with the state as an LLC? That sort of thing. And if, if they're licensed up, you, you don't have to worry too much. Um, slightly more complicated scenario that I'll mention is subcontracting. Uh, a minute ago, I talked about lawn service and so I talked about how somebody with a lawn service could just hire people off the street and tell them they're gonna pay on a 1099 basis. But if one lawn service contacted another lawn service 
let's say that lawn company A does a certain type of work and lawn company B does something additional or different, like they also do landscaping work or they do weed control or um, they do turf uh, replacement, that sort of thing. If, if lawn company A called lawn company B, that'd be fine. They're just subcontracting. The second company would also be responsible for licensing and insurance and properly paying their workers, but they're okay to subcontract with. And this is a common scenario in IT contracting and many other kinds of work. Um, another scenario that's also obvious, but perhaps it'll, not, I'm sorry, not quite as obvious and maybe it tends to get interpreted the wrong way is remote work. Um, some employers feel that all remote workers can be contractors. And some large prominent companies have frankly lost some legal battles here. So even though the worker may pass some of those tests, for example, they use their own equipment as a home-based worker, and a home, they provide their own home office or mobile environment or so on. If you require them to keep specific hours and you control and direct their work, you can't consider them contractors. Uh, very typical example, and I'm just using this as an example of an industry that does this, but they typically do it right, they hire people W-2, is like a remote um, customer service center business. So they contract with companies to provide customer service CSRs, and they're gonna have to hire those people W-2 because they require them to work shifts and so on. Uh, one more, Situation that can go one way or the other, but you need to be careful is commission salespeople. You can pay salespeople on straight commission and they can get paid only if a sale comes through. Um, people like that can be contractors, they can run their own business. I, I do some business development work for people as well. Uh, it's a common scenario when an independent rep sells for multiple companies, but you can get in trouble again, same. Same basic test, if you tell them exactly what to do and you provide um, financial control, you can be in a situation where that person is a quasi, or really rather a actual employee, and you can get in trouble if you don't set that up right. I hope that's helpful. Again, I'm Gary Smith with Nectar Bridge. You can reach me at uh, www.nectarbridge.com, and we'd love to hear from you if you have further questions. Thank you.